What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. On this episode, our guest is not your prototypical USAPL, IPF, or even USPA lifter you have grown accustomed to hearing on Two White Lights. But at the same time, it's a person who I respect greatly and who is a damn good competitor. He knows the sport inside and out. He's incredibly passionate about the sport as well, opinionated. If you want to talk about a guy who's been there and done it all in powerlifting, it is J.P. Carroll. Terrific conversation with him. Uh, I am fully aware of the demographic of this show, and it doesn't even matter what the demographic of this show is. This was a dynamite episode. I had a great time talking to J.P. Um, said beginning show, opinionated. He's passionate. He knows the sport. And when you combine all three of those things, you're going to get a really, really good interview. Uh, of course, talked about you know how he got started in powerlifting, gives a little bit of information on his semi-pro football career, how that led into his uh, incredible competitive drive, or at least I consider it incredible. Um, I also asked him of his opinion on the current state of powerlifting, things he likes about it, things he doesn't like about it. Uh, really good discussion, and we riffed a lot about that. Also, I asked him to describe his ideal training environment. Uh, JP trained at Westside, so he gives an explanation on why that training environment is the best for him. The, this, this explanation there, I really enjoyed myself. Also, a uh, technique tip on all three of the lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift. Uh, very technically proficient lifter. He's a raw with wraps lifter as well, so really knows how to do all three of those lifts, and we, of course, did a word association to close out the interview. So, real great discussion there, one of my favorite episodes so far, but before we get into one of my favorite episodes, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, put in promo code 2WL10, and you can get yourself some merchandise at a discounted price that rhymed unintentionally but i love going on instagram feed and seeing all the people putting leflar bros gym banners in their home gym i am looking currently in my home gym right now and the gym banners make it a thing of beauty and it just adds that little extra touch to make your home gym look great also they got tons of other apparel my favorites you guys know it baseball tees t-shirts and beanies. They also got dad hats, another one of my favorites. I gotta get my hand on a fanny pack because I want to wear a fanny pack, not ironically, one of these days. Uh, they also got sweatshirts, uh, joggers as well. So get on leftlarbros.com, check out the different designs that they have. Use promo code 2WL10 to save some money. Also, while you're there, go to rivalist.net as well and get. Any supplement you desire, whether it be branched amino acids, protein, pre-workout, creatine, you name it, Rivalus will supply it for you. Just put in promo code ANGELO15 and get 15% off of your order. And considering you've made it through the intro and the ad reads, like and subscribe on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. I don't care if you roast me during it. I don't care if you actually give me feedback on what to improve in the show. But five-star ratings will help us a lot, and so will those subscriptions. And here it is. Two white lights.
Monday. It's Wednesday. When this episode airs, it's going to be Monday, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's the first time someone's corrected me on that. It is Monday, <laughs> April 20th, and I got with me via FaceTime in Chicago, Illinois, the greatest city in the world, a man that I never thought would be on Two White Lights. I got JP Carroll with me. How are you, dude? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Not bad. I'm bored, but, you know, still get to train. Uh, I, I got to ask you, how have you been? Um, you know, how, what, what's been up with you? You know, I haven't seen too much on the Instagram. I know you're not really into the whole social media thing, but, you know, with your training-wise, um, what you been up to? Well, I've been doing the, the Palooza method. You know what that is? No. A lot of bands. <laughs> do, you have, uh, do you have access to, like, uh, Barbell and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean... I, like I said, uh, when we were talking earlier, I got, I had a pretty bad injury in July and honestly, I just started getting healthy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, herniated a disc in my neck and I tore like my, uh, one of those my subscapularis or whatever could, it connects to your subscap. I tore that squatting. Uh, so for three, four months, I couldn't even really lift my arm up, put a t-shirt on was like a six, seven out of the pain scale. I was in pretty bad shape. So I literally just got, I'd say the past four months, just getting around to being able to do push-ups and dips and stuff like that again. So I really wasn't even pushing training when this happened. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'm pretty healed now, but I've just been doing a lot of body weight stuff and a lot of, using a lot of bands. Like I said, I just haven't really uh, pushed it to a barbell or any load yet. Yeah, I, I figured something like that happened a long time because uh, I did it the pre-introduction to the show. Uh, but JP, incredibly accomplished powerlifter. I think you've only totaled two K throughout your powerlifting career. Just you've never um, known uh, below that. Uh, uh, open powerlifting is missing like two or three of my meets, but one of them being my first meet, which I think I totaled eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, it was, <laughs> I literally trained. I did five three one for twelve weeks and went and did a beat. I was playing football, and I went to uh, it was like an off season, off week or bye week or whatever. And I went to Jacked Hardcore in Montgomery and watched the power, my first powerlifting for me, the first one I ever seen. And I seen some dude pull like seven hundred pounds, and at the time that shit just floored me. I was like, I want to do that. And being thirty years old, football was kind of you know getting behind me and. I just started training. I just looked on the internet like everybody else. I found 531, which I illegally downloaded, and I've apologized for that one before. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just was hooked. And my first meet, that shit just had me. It was it was fun. I drove to, I want to say it was like uh, Granite City or something, like close to, it was like St. Louis area. And as soon as I did that meet, I was like, I just wanted to do another one. I wanted to do another one. And it, just, it had me instantly. Yeah, that, that kind of segue into our like my first question because I've I've seen you at uh, Brickhouse Fitness, kind of train at the same gym for a little bit, but never really did a whole ton of interactions. But 
something I was always curious about. Mentioned football before. How did you get your start into powerlifting, or what was the lead up to it? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, I lifted for football, and you know, we always squatted. We, we you know, we benched, but we never squatted to go heavy. It was always to work out more sense instead of training. And we never, I, I never deadlifted a day in my life. We always did power cleans, mm-hmm. hand cleans, that type of thing. And like I said, I seen that guy pull seven hundred pounds. And I remember, like it was yesterday, it was a Mexican guy, and he had like a, his singlet was like the like the Mexican flag. It was just like way over the top. I remember thinking like, oh, that's weird. But I remember seeing the bar bend and like seven hundred pounds, not knowing at the time seven hundred pounds was I don't want to call it an average deadlift, but you know, I just remember thinking to myself like, holy shit, like that was dope. And I was I was with at the time it was my father in law, and uh, he was he was into weight training. So we were always just doing like uh, squats. And then he got all crazy and he bought a box and chains. And so we started doing like 12 sets of two. I got into all this crazy stuff. And then it just, it stuck like instantly. Like mm-hmm. literally the day I seen that, I mean, I was like, I was kind of over football at that point. I was, I was, I moved down. I, I played guard. I moved down to center because I knew the playbook well. And I, I was helping people out the captain. So I was there more for that type of thing. And then, I mean, I loved it, but it wasn't there anymore. I was, 30 and my body was getting beat up so hey powerlifting sounded fun it did just it was it was a it was a day one thing as soon as i see that bar bent with 700 pounds i wanted to do that and then ironically i pulled 700 i think i pulled 705 my first meet mm-hmm. like that was my goal to pull 700 pounds and i uh i think i squatted like 655 i squatted 700 on my third but i like walked into the mono like i took a jab step i didn't even know what i was doing Matter of fact, I knew so little about powerlifting when they asked my rack height. When I got there, I pulled up six feet tall. <laughs> I literally <laughs> knew nothing. I, I mean, I was as green as they come. And then uh, I benched like 455 and I pulled seven or 705, where it came out to like an 1800 pound total. And that was my first. And I think after that, everything else was over 2000. And I started training to Lily Bridges, I think, well, a little bit, maybe a couple months after that meet. And then I just, from there on, I think I went. A little over 2000, then 21, then 2143. And I think after that backyard meet at Mark Bell's, that was the 2143. I think after that, I never totaled under 2200 pounds. Yeah. But I've only done like, I think, nine or 10 meets. So, I mean, I, I've been around a while. I just, I kind of once or twice a year. So I've been spacing them out. I haven't competed in 13 months since the last Arnold, but obviously I got injured in July. but I try to do one or two a year. I just, I'm, I'll be 40 years old in a few weeks, so it's it's not as easy it used to be as it used to be. Now, especially now, because into it around your 30s, and then prior to that is yeah. football. So for football, was it like a semi-pro thing? What was uh, what was the deal with that? Yeah, I, mean, I played arena football, and then uh, well, like I played high school football, all that stuff, and then I got in some trouble, and I went to college. At least that's what we call it in my family. And uh, I came home, and uh, I don't remember where I was, but uh, a gentleman approached me, and he said, hey, man, you're a big guy. You ever play football? I was like, yeah. I kind of gave him an attitude. I mean, it's just kind of my defense mechanism in public. Anyway, he gave me his card, and I was like, whatever. One of my boys talked me into, like, going try out, and it was for a semi-pro team out of Bolingbrook. And I went. I tried out. I was out of shape. I think I stayed up drinking till like, 4 in the morning that night. But I was like, fuck it. Let's go. We went and we tried out or whatever, and uh, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you, and I was wishy-washy about it, and then 
just like anything else, you know, you start getting around the guys and <clears throat> you start building that chemistry playing and that shit becomes good. And then I just, uh, it took me a good season to get, you know, I was not in shape to play football for, after that season, which was good because I was at a point in my life where like drugs and alcohol were like, that was my hobby. So like that pulled me off of that. Cause I was like, Oh shit, I got to play or I got practice. I got to do this. I mean, I was still doing dumb shit, but not as bad. And then I just, uh, I really took to it and I started playing for some pretty good teams to where like we had a bus and we traveled to different States. You know, we play pretty much in the Midwest, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, uh, Michigan. I mean, just in that pretty good area. And then towards the end of my seat, towards the end of my career, I got pretty good to where like there was a team in Boston. They, uh, they called me up and they paid for me to go play down in, uh, keep wanting to say Miami because it sounds so much better, but Daytona Beach. And it was like in January, so it was like, hell yeah, I went down there and we stayed down there for like four days. They, they flew our, actually, I think they rented us a car. There was two of us. We went down there and played. There was always like a, a big Pro Bowl that was in Vegas, so like I'd always make that team. So, I mean, it was cool. It was fun. And it, I mean, if you've ever played football, you understand it's like a bug, like putting a helmet on and cracking people every weekend. But it, it like got to a point where uh, my son was getting him ready to start high school football. So I was like, I wanted to be around for that. And that, that was kind of conducive with powerlifting because you go to the gym, come home, you compete, you know, one, two, three times a year. So you're home a lot more as to where literally every Friday night I'm traveling somewhere to play football on Saturday and then staying Saturday night, going to bars and getting home Sunday and sleeping all day. So it was a good time. Timing was real good for that. And I think I was a little better at powerlifting than I was at football, but it's, it was cool. It just, uh, semi-pro was fun, but it was, like, not very serious for some people. So, like, if me, you, and the guy next to us is busting our ass, but the guy next to him doesn't give a shit, it kind of sucks. Like, you're putting your heart and effort into it, and some guy doesn't really care. So, like, that aspect of it was hard to deal with. But arena football was dope. Like, all those people wanted to be there. All those people wanted to get paid or even maybe make it to the NFL, which I got sick of hearing. Some guys, man, I'm going to the league. Going to the, no, you're not going to the league, buddy. Sorry, I hate to break it to you. But when I played arena, I had to travel from, I was living in Joliet at the time, and I had to drive to Libertyville to practice twice a week. And that's, that was like an hour and a half one way. You know, we would carpool or whatever. I think our checks were like maybe 500 bucks or something. So it was like, it wasn't even covering it. It was like out of the love of the game or whatever. But all of that stuff was getting old, and it was just like powerlifting took over. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that competitive edge kind of carried over into powerlifting well? Is that oh. why you competed? Man, I got I got like a defect. I like, I've written about it before, and it, it's, it's probably like my favorite analogy, but like if you and me were folding towels, and I see you had four already folded, I had two, I'd start folding faster. Like, it would be in my brain that I have to fold more towels than you, like where I'm a pussy, like everything. I hate it. Like, it's it's a gift and a curse, but mm-hmm. it's it's terrible. Uh, I would, what do I always say? Like, uh, I hate losing more than I like winning. So, like, that's where the competitive comes from. So, yeah, I mean, it was, that's a, a direct carryover from that for sure. Yeah, and that was uh, that's a trend I see in powerlifting. I mean, I'm I'm still I would qualify myself as less green, but still pretty green to the sport. You know, because yeah, four years in, you know, I have a handful of competitions under me, but and you got some big ones. Yeah, got some got some pretty decent ones in there too. Yeah. But when I first started powerlifting. But the community wasn't exactly competitive. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was strange to be in a sport where it wasn't exactly competitive. Then I started getting more deep into it. 
and I started to get not angry at people, but almost annoyed when they would tell other competitors like, "Oh, don't worry. It's it's like it, just have fun. Don't really don't really worry about the competitiveness of it." And you know, if it's a young kid, a powerlifter, like, "All right, that's fine advice," but yeah. so many people use that as a cop out to lose. I agree. And that's I do appreciate when people bring a competitive spirit into the sport because I've said competitive powerlifting how many times since this interview starts like it's competitive yeah. you compete yeah. and you compete to win so it and I think the stigma of oh have fun this that like you said if it's a young lifter or you're brand new cool have fun with that but I don't understand where being competitive me wanting to beat you and you wanted to beat me where that turned into not being fun I mean. Yeah, I might not be smiling about it or happy-go-lucky about it in the moment, but like that's that's making me happy. Being competitive mm-hmm. is is what makes me happy. So I, I just think that's a weird thing that people throw out. Like, oh, you take it too serious, which I'm sure in my lifetime I have definitely done some shit I shouldn't have done taking this too seriously. But as far as competitiveness goes, like that's that's what makes it go. And if, if that's not your thing, I guess that's not your thing. But it's it's definitely mine. I, I love that. Like one of my favorite powerlifting memories ever is when me and who infamously known as Dominic Macaroni went at it. Like that was probably one of my favorite meets. And it's unfortunate that he had to bow out in the middle of it, but that was just a dude who I knew could have beat me that day. If he was on, he could have beat me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew he could out. I knew he was going to, he could out squatted me. There, there was no chance in hell he was going to out bench me. And I figured it would come down to a deadlift. And we were both kind of deadlocked right around 800-pound deadlifts. And uh, I just, I, I mean, I remember like two weeks leading up to that. I just, that's all I could think about all day, every day. It was, it was the perfect storm of competitiveness. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I say the same things with the competitions I do. Like I'm great friends with all the people I compete with. But if I'm not trying to beat them on that day, then, yeah. you know, why the hell am I doing it? Yeah, what's the point then? I mean, like I said, I'm sitting here. I just learned how to use my arm and shoulder again, and I mean, I'm still having issues. But it's like that—that's the stuff that drives you. It's like I'm gonna beat myself up and fuck myself up. I'm, I've, I might as well try to win. I mean, what's what's the point if you're not gonna go all in? Might as well just quit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and I think the the thing that annoys me, I think the most, is actually high level competitors saying that they hate competing and i always see that as like okay you put that in there you hate competing and you hate doing that just in case you lose and you could yeah. just go back to like oh you know i don't really i i prefer just training and seeing the progress i really don't care if i win or lose i'm like yeah you you said that just in case yeah. you lost like if you won right. you wouldn't be saying that yeah you signed up you paid the money you traveled you got a hotel you did all of that you mean to tell me you don't want to do that? Cause, yeah, because you could easily be an Instagram lifter, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, hey, that that you know, that's that's a real thing now. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a guy that's uh, local to this area. I'm not going to mention his name. I really give a fuck about him, but I think he's done a meet or two, and he likes to do dumb shit like his shake his ass on a uh, pro athletes, and he's got like fifty thousand followers. It's like it blows my mind, and like I hate that we've come to the age where you gauge a person by their followers but i mean it, it's a thing it's a, the new era i mean i always say you know these guys got fifty thousand followers but you could go find an all-time world record holder who doesn't stay very active on social media and they would have a tenth of that 
it's just weird to me. Like, if I was a strength athlete, I wouldn't follow somebody because they're – I mean, there's another one. Like, I'll mention him because I've trained with him. But, like, Tom, I mean, that dude used to come to the gym, train his balls off, and then he would do stupid shit. And then the stupid shit came around, and he just decided, I'm just going to do a lot of stupid shit. You know, so it's like, what the hell, man? I just – I guess I don't want to say the word old school, but I'm going to say the word old school. And like I said, I, I, I haven't been into this for, I'm kind of going to jump around here because I got ADD that works good. But like, that's the thing that bothers me. People are like, oh, I've been in this for two decades. I'm like, well, that's cool. Your total fucking sucks. I've been in this for like eight years and I'll blow your doors off. So, but it's like the old school part of me. It's like train, bust your ass, compete, put up a big ass total. If you want to do some dumb shit outside, like that's cool. But I guess to each is their own. Like, I wish as I got older, I could like, branch off from uh, letting shit bother me so much, but it's just who I am. I'm, I'm going to be the guy to yell at the people for stepping on their lawn and shit. Like, that's me. <laughs> yeah. For uh, real. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. But, um, but so, perfect segue. What is your viewpoint on the current state of powerlifting? Is there stuff, I mean, oh, I know, yeah, because... Um, <laughs> How much time I, you got? <laughs> oh, we got all day, brother. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I've... I've read some of your stuff on Elite FTS, I've read a lot of your blogs, and this question is, you know, geared towards, you know, you have a lot of problems in the sport, but, and you kind of aired already some of them, but when you do air those problems <coughs> out, it does give you a snapshot of where the sport is currently at. So, you know, where where do you stand on the sport now? You know, and it's like, everything I've written about, like, I know it's hard. A lot of things get lost in translation. It's like texting somebody. If you're being sarcastic, it's hard to tell. You know, it's not like they have a font. That's, it's not, I guess now it's like capital letter, lowercase capital. Then you can like put it across. But when I write, I just like, I would see something and I'd get fired up. And like, I don't say like on Tuesday, I'm going to sit down and write. Uh, I'll get a feeling. I've pulled the truck over and just literally puked out articles. Like Dave is the same way. Like I, I just spit it out. So it's like, Besides seeing something, I'm like, God, that's so dumb. Like, so that's usually like a lot of the beginning that I just talk shit about stuff that like that gets me going. And then I kind of like pull back on the stick, get the nose up and like start writing about things I should be writing about. But I think all the stupid stuff that bothers me, you know, the dumb stuff. I mean, I think, I think I recall you saying one time, like you are exactly like what I write about. Mm-hmm. But anytime I seen you in the gym, anybody in my little crew would say anything. I'd be like, yeah, but that dude's strong and he's busted his ass. So who gives a fuck? So it's like, am I a hypocrite? Sure. But I still think it's dorky that people want to wear like pizza slice socks and shit. It's like, I feel like a lot of people do that to fit. Like, that's why I say like the NASCAR lifters, if they walked into a building and they didn't have a shirt that said fucking slingshot and had weights and bacon and barbells and whatever else, nobody would never know they fucking lift, you know, like a majority of these people who do that. I walk into a building and everybody wants to me, are you a football player? Are you a wrestler? Like, obviously like I'm a fat dude on top of it, but like, I look like I lift weights. I think that should be a thing. So I feel like a lot of people do it to fit in, and that's what bothers me. But lately, I think the thing that bothers me the most, and it's not directly to powerlifting, but, I mean, it is, is, like, the sponsorship chasing. Mm -hmm. Like, literally, everybody is, like, tagging. Like, I'll see a guy bench, like, 200 pounds, and I'm just throwing shit out there to make a point. And it's like, they tag Mark Bell, they tag Slingshot, they tag King of the Lifts, they tag this, they tag that, they tag this. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. From a guy who's been sponsored by some of the top sponsored companies, <laughs> when you're paying your own meat and you're paying your own travel and you're paying for your own supplements and this, that, and I hate to break it to you, you're not a sponsor, that you're a fucking walking billboard. Like, mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. 
when I was with Elite FTS, that's one of the biggest powerlifting companies there is. Outside of getting some fucking T-shirts, this, that, and the other, good fucking luck. Uh, I, I paid for every one of my own. And I'm not bashing Elite FTS. They did a fucking ton of good things for me. There's a falling out. It, it just, it's just not a good place for me. Being sponsored, like, okay, what? You're going to get free protein? Are you going to get T-shirts? You're going to get free knee wraps? It's like, fuck, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like marketing's, you know, and again, this isn't uh, a, a real good analogy, but the Super Bowl, people pay millions of dollars for 30 seconds of commercial. Like, that's what marketing really is. It's an expensive thing. So for somebody to want to be sponsored, like, what is it really going to do? I mean, it's, it's not going to add anything to your total. I've seen people say, oh, if I was sponsored by Elite FTS, oh, if I got to train there, or, you know, when I was at Westside, oh, man, if I could train at Westside, my total, just shut the fuck up. Like, I got to Westside because of the way I trained up to that point. It wasn't because of Westside or Elite FTS or any other place that I've been or anybody else who sponsored or helped me that I got to where I was. I got to those places because of how my total was before that. It's crazy. And then when these guys get sponsored, I mean, it's that the hashtag or the ads after a post, it's like, it blows my mind. It's like, mm-hmm. wow. It, it, it just, I think for when the top guys, and I, I'm going to use a guy that I am friends with, and I would say this in front of him, like Rob Hall. He literally posts ammonia, chalk, whatever, you know, and it's all these sponsors, all these sponsors, all these sponsors, and that's cool because he busted his ass to get there. He, he truly did. But the sign it sends to the guys coming up, you know, if they've done two meets and they're finally robbed, they're like, oh, I have to tag all these sponsors. I have to do this. I have to do that. To me, that's just a bad look. It's just mm-hmm. terrible. It's like you got a fucking you know, a top 5,000 total and you're tagging companies. It just blows my mind that people think that they're going to, get sponsored and at the end of the day what is getting sponsored even going to do for your total as i think that's the long lost art of powerlifting is getting a big total which is kind of what it's all about oh yeah for sure and uh you made a lot of points there but i'll and i'll circle back to maybe your first one but your most recent one the sponsorship grab um talk to talk to ricky cho about this on a episode on you know when you see the powerlifters sell out and you know, what, yeah. what's more important to powerlifters, getting sponsored or actually putting in a big total? And it always comes down to people who get sponsored, no matter how you look at it, and there's levels to sponsorships too, no matter how you look at it, it you have to be strong. You have to have a total. I've yeah, I mean, that's, seldomly that's seen true. a person get a sponsorship or a good sponsorship. I mean, if you also, if you get a discount code, you're not sponsored. Yeah, no, no. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking. Oh yeah. You're signing your name to a contract. Yeah. You got fucking rules. You got shit. You got to do like that kind of contract. Because and, yeah, and I will, you know, because I, I've got my sponsorships, and I'll tell you what, it's made powerlifting very easy for me. Um, as far yeah. as competing, traveling, you know, getting my, you know, my gear and all that stuff, it's made powerlifting very easy for me. But you know, in, in all honesty, I didn't go looking for those sponsorships. Me neither. Like, not, I, not once. Like and I and I see that I made a, a a few times on my Instagram stories. Like you have a bunch of people who I talk to, I know personally, say they don't care about Instagram uh, following and that stuff. I'm like, okay, so if I go on your page, will I see a hashtag under any one of your lifts? Ninety nine point eight percent of them have hashtags under lift, and that's the only because they want to be seen. I'm like, you guys want yeah. you guys do care about your following, and it's okay if you don't care about yeah. your following, take off your Instagram. Like that's it. Like yeah. the fact that you have Instagram means that you care about it, but, and yeah. I've, I've been tagged, I've been tagged in deadlift videos of like 450 pounds. And I'm like, guys, yeah. what do you want yeah. from me? Do you want me to like your oh, video? I'm like I follow yeah. the people who I like to watch. Like if I really yeah, like watching so much shit, <laughs> like if I like watching, I would follow you. I'm like, but just 
But then I look, and I, if I click that, if I click that thing on who they tagged, it's not only me. Obviously, they don't want oh, my, yeah. they don't want my, only my uh, gratification. They want Mark Bell's. They want Garrett yep. Fears. They want Sean Noriega's. Yep. They want a bunch of people's just approval of what they did or see if like, oh, I'm gonna repost you on your page for more clout. And that's yep. and you, people chasing that stuff. It's like such a phony way of yeah. trying to make it quote unquote make it in this yeah and that's why it annoys me because like like you said and like i said your total should talk for you people should be coming to you like hey we would like you to uh, represent us not you fucking begging for a handout mm-hmm. and then that's you know you get companies like uh iron rebel i, I got guys that are fucking saying they're sponsored by iron rebel you see it in their bio this that and the other and then i'll hit up brandon allen like man get your boy <laughs> he's like that ain't my boy that's they're like ambassadors and shit you know they have like a tier <laughs> level 10 i'm like it's just yeah, like I said, it, it what it all boils down to is, it, it, it's a, a way to attach yourself to something to say like, look, I'm a lifter. Hey, look at me, I power lift. You know, it's, it, it's it's one of the reasons I have such a issue against geared lifting, and I'll talk about it all day long. And some of my friends that I've met in this are geared lifters. Some of the strongest dudes I've ever met are geared lifters. But when you get the average geared lifter who never really put a base down raw. When he's at the office at the water cooler, telling people, yeah, I've got 600 pounds this weekend. He's not throwing in there. Yeah, so I was wearing supportive gear that helps me move this way, you know. So, like, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like these people want to be a part of something. Bigger. It's the same thing. Oh, I won first place in my powerlifting meet. Yeah, you were in the fucking fireman's, master's, fucking special ed. It's, it all boils down to it's, it's ridiculous. Unless I won, like, a big meet, like the U.S. Open or the Arnold or something. I wouldn't be bragging to anybody, like, yeah, I took first place. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it's it's weird and it's it's weird that it bothers me but when you fucking tear your body up and you miss a lot of stuff in your life and you spend you know a better part of 10 years chasing the total and you see somebody just come along and they think that they're a top shit you know it's the whole i'll die for this i'm a fucking viking all that it's like shut up like, <laughs> I, I missed my brother's wedding because i had this <laughs> i had squats that day in ohio and i literally drove like 400 miles to go squat instead of going to my brother's wedding. Yeah. So if somebody wants to argue with me how they would die for this or they love this shit, like, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. I'm a piece of shit because I love this sport so much. I've literally fucked up marriages, relationships, friendships, everything, just to try to get a few more pounds on my total. Fuck, it, it's a terrible thing. Yeah, That's why it bothers me because, yeah, I guess I take it too serious, but I, it gets to me when I see that stuff and for you to just do two meets, have a super fucking subpar total, and think that you even deserve a sponsorship, like, mm-hmm. speaks volumes on your character, like, towards the sport. Yeah, and I'll tell you right now, like, there there are 18 and 19-year-olds who hopefully listen to Two White Lights enough to know the truth behind sponsorships and all that stuff, because I've spoken on yeah. it many times. But there are seriously those t- teenagers and, you know, college kids thinking that a sponsorship will solve life's problems like they will get paid just to lift and i'm like no it's not the case like i'm sponsored by three awesome companies there's no way that is going to be a salary for me in any way i mean if i parlay that into coaching technically i'll be getting paid to lift getting paid to power lift getting paid because this is such a big hobby or sport that i compete in but just on sponsorships hell no i mean they no, make no. two white lights possible. They make me traveling possible, and that's awesome. But yeah. it's not the answer to everything. Yeah, but I mean, I can run it real fast. I mean, 
like I said, Elite FTS, great company, powerful company. I guarantee you a lot of kids listening to this would love to be sponsored by them. And at the end of the day, what it boils down to is store credit. <laughs> like, that's what you get. You, mm-hmm. You're not getting flown anywhere. You're not getting paid. And, like, I, I was a columnist as well as that, so I did, I did get paid to write. But here's the thing, like, you always find shit out after you leave. It's like I was authored a year, two years in a row. And there's another person there getting paid, like, exponentially more than you. Mm-hmm. Like, it rubs you the wrong way. Like, having a sponsorship doesn't even mean because you're topping your thing. You can be all-time world record holder. Uh, a sponsorship doesn't even mean anything unless you get with a good company and you work things out. What it boils down to is you just have extra shit to worry about instead of training. I had to make sure I posted a certain amount of logs, a certain amount of videos, a certain amount of this. I had to do that. You got to weigh it out. Is it worth – every time I got – so it's like a, a warning system. If you don't do eight or, or 12 log training logs a month or whatever, you get like a written warning. Mm-hmm. And if you got three of those, basically you get taken off the site, yada, yada. But, yeah. but it's like – I'm two weeks out from the Arnold. You really think I feel like writing down what the fuck I'm doing at that point? Like, I'm juiced to the gills. I'm going nuts. I'm like, I can't do this. It's like I get in trouble every time, every time. So sponsorship could turn around and bite you in the ass and be more work than you would really want to do because, to be honest, this day and age, people are students. People are part-time employees and full-time students, full-time employees, part-time students. It all boils down to is you're putting more shit on your plate. So getting the sponsorship is not always this big Hell yeah, I made it. I'm doing it. Unless you're doing it, like you said, the hashtags, the bragging, the ego thing, it it, it could be more than you expect and actually be counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And what what you said originally was just uh, you have to work a lot of the times for those sponsorships. It's like just having another job. Like the, uh, the way that I make oh, yeah. money off of my like actual money that I put into a bank account. Like I'm working. I'm not just sitting here doing nothing. I am working to yeah. get it. Like I, I like there's appearances or whatever. It's and then they pay you accordingly. They pay you by the hour. I mean, granted, it's easier than my job, yeah. but I'm not getting paid like it's my sure. job. But it's well, that's what they don't understand. It's like, oh man, like no, no, no. You like think about it this way. I'm working right now. Like I'm literally yeah. working and doing something. But um, or, or, and circling back to your first point where um. You know, you heard me say somewhere that um, I I figured that you wouldn't like me as a powerlifter, and I because I, I, when I was at Brickhouse, I was super green in the powerlifting. Like that was yeah. me going to Brickhouse was like my introduction to a deadlift bar, aside from competition, like training with a yeah. deadlift bar, training with a monolift, all that stuff. So when I was at Brickhouse, it's like that hybrid commercial powerlifting gym kind of thing. Um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird, like mix between the two and you get people from just different walks. And I talked about it with Garrett too. You know, you get people who are powerlifting, people who are bodybuilding or just a 50 year old woman trying to do Pilates or something. Yeah. So it's like, it's a crazy uh, thing, but I remember seeing you, uh, a good friend of mine, Dan, Dan O'Brien, um, and then a few other people there. And I just remember looking at you. And then you looked at me, and I was probably wearing like a fucking soccer jersey, had a man bun, yeah. probably. I'm like, all right, this guy doesn't probably fucking like me, so I'm just gonna do my shit. What you were wearing? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not gonna do my shit. I'm just gonna do my shit, not bug him. I'm like, not get into a thing. But then there was this like dichotomy between you, and then I and I had my opinions on like those types of lifters too. But then as it went yeah. on, I'm like. 
this dude's just working. Yeah, and it that's was all I've ever done. Like I, I, I probably had a negative opinion of you and your crew when you first came in, but then I just looked. I'm like, he's working. He's powerlifting. I'm like, that's what I'm trying to do. And the shit that you said, like fitting into a community, wearing the pizza slice slacks, the yeah. Even though I have friends who are you know donuts and deadlifts who are sponsored by donuts and deadlifts, I yeah. never really liked that aspect either. Like yeah. people who are bringing like the candy to the gym, like the like the the, oh. the, the, the fucking like just the spread of like. You know, a diabetic kid's dream, like, of just on the table. I'm like, I always, I never liked that shit. Like, I never, I always tried to avoid it. So, as I worked out more at Brickhouse and I saw you training, I'm like, all right, like, this dude's just a no-nonsense lifter, and I can definitely respect that because I like to think myself, even though it doesn't look like it on Instagram, I like to think of myself as kind of no-nonsense, too. I just want to get better at the sport. And that was the vibe I had too. Like Kevin Anderson, I don't know if you know who that was or whatever, yeah. but he was the kid that would train with me. And uh, he would, you know, he'd say something. And I'd be like, "Yeah, but that dude's working hard." Like literally, you know, my little crew, you know, they try to, you know, take jab stuff, probably to make me think that I like them better or whatever. But I would tell, you know, they talk shit about everybody else. I'd laugh, talk shit, and uh, even that big giant dude that uh, what's his name? Want to be part of that Thor guy or whatever his name is? Oh, I would talk. I would clown on that guy so hard. Like, that guy wants to be something so hard in the sport. He just doesn't have it. Like, but anytime it was to you, I was like, nah, that dude's busting his ass. Like, I literally said that probably a good 10 times on that brick house. It's just, uh, like you said, it's one of those things. You form an opinion by somebody. Like, people say don't judge a book by its cover, but I think that's how our brains are. Oh, we see something. We have to make a choice right then and there. So it's like, yeah, he's a dork. But then when you're there with your headphones on and you're literally just doing your sets, doing your sets, knocking out your shit, killing your accessories, bouncing out, just hanging out in the little, like you said, the candy crew, like that's a, a way to earn respect in a gym, at least through my eyes. And I think that's at the end of the day, if you bust your ass and work hard, like that should be respected. No matter, like I said, I make fun of all that shit, but I have people around me who are like that and I would help them in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. they bust their ass. Oh yeah, for sure. And I was like, I wasn't in the USAPL at the time. Um, I was still probably doing APF meets, but like I was kind of that US USAPL lifter and USAPL lifters as a community had that viewpoints of, you know, people who compete in other federations. It just seems like think, it's just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And I, I think I was, uh, I think, uh, I think I was at your very first meet. I think it was like, uh, 2000. 14 or something like what did you do the summer bash was that one of your first meets 2000 yeah 2016 summer bash is my first meet yeah oh maybe it was a little later yeah i was there i remember that and it's, it's the same thing like you go to those meets and you see you'll see the division you know it's <laughs> and this is a terrible fucking analogy but i'm terrible at them it's like a prison guard you got black white mexican but then you got like the fruity foodie foo-foo <laughs> lifters and then you got like the hardcore guys with like real bad prison tattoos and shit and then you got like the middle of the row guys who were just like getting into strength sports because they either wrestled or played football or something. But the coolest thing ever, and I think there's a lot of people don't want to admit about powerlifting is the dude with the bad prison tattoos would help a foo-foo lifter. A foo-foo lifter would help the dude with the bad prison tattoos and everything in between. Like, I think that's what makes our sport beautiful to the most point that when these meets come together, everybody's there to kind of help everybody. I think that's what's dope about the sport that doesn't get enough talked about it because everybody wants to talk about who squatted high or who did what, but nobody ever talks about how we kind of all band together as some weird group of misfits. Like that's one dope thing about the sport. Yeah. And you probably imagine me, my first meet going to like APF summer bash, sticking (laughs) out like a sore thumb. And I definitely did that day because like I had my Italian soccer jersey on 
Um, <laughs> you know, my hair was gelled and stuff. Like I, and I didn't really, and it was, and it was, it was, there was a, and the, perfectly how you explained it. Hardcore crowd. You got like the yeah. college kids. You had, it was ever, you know, you had people who were bodybuilders who just wanted to compete in powerlifting yeah. just to do it. And yep. I mean, I would, if that meet wasn't like the easiest sign to get into the sport, I would be lying to you. Cause I had a yeah. great time at that meet. I met some really good close friends who I still hang out with today. Um, granted it was an yep. APF meet and I do a different federation now. So I, I'm part sure. of like a broader community. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for that and it wasn't for, you know, some of those dudes with the tattoos on their faces and the gauges in their ears and all that shit, yeah. I wouldn't be in the sport. And it's funny just like see, it's funny seeing like yeah. me hang out with like a dude with tattoos on his face. Just like, <laughs> like I have like a regular, like, you know, college douchebag, yeah. you know, flannel tee going. And then you have one guy with like gauges in and, you know, looks like he's, uh, yeah. He's been in a few biker gangs and like we're just hanging out like having a beer together. It's funny like yeah. it's funny like the differences between the two and and I and that's I think why I kind of carry an open mind now to everything is because I see the USAPL and I talk great things about USAPL lifters um and and this federation of itself but I would totally I would be lying if I say it wasn't clicky if they didn't look yeah, down on yeah, other people totally. and I just like hey man that's you know APF that's I mean, I have my opinions on it too, but those are my those are my dudes too. And I go to USPA yeah. meets because I have a lot of friends who compete at USPA meets. I'll go to a <laughs> WPO. I mean, a WPO meet. I have a lot of well, very close friends, yeah. like closely affiliated to it. It's like I'm I'm part of the sport, man. If I have my opinions on it, of course. But and if I have opinions on which is better, like what's more pure powerlifting, of course I do. But I'm still, still yeah. part of this community and. Yeah, it's good to say you uh, about something you like about the sport too. That was gonna be the next question. Like, what are some positive things you see in powerlifting? Yeah, I mean that's definitely a one. And like, it kind of touched on what you just said real quick too. It's like, uh, you know, we're from the same area, so when it comes to like the WPO, we have like Matt Minute. You know, like that's our guy. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like we have all these different aspects. You know, it's like I think it gets real weird because you know football you have the nfl baseball you have the mlb nhl you have these things into where else it's spread apart and you know as a guy who's never going to compete in the usapl obviously it's like i feel very comfortable saying that's a very pure version of the sport but i'm on the end of the spectrum where i just want to see freakish shit you know i mm -hmm. want to see a dude juice to the gills fucking purple coming off of a bench 650 pounds or something so it's like i get the same thing as those guys look down on us like all oh, these freaks, uh, these drug addicts or whatever. And then, you know, in turn, I feel it's okay for me to say like, yeah, oh, you little dorks, you know, like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's all part of the sport, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think USAPL, I think that's a very pure version of the sport. And I think uh, when you take drugs out of it, it really makes people compete and to the genetic level and to see who's genuinely strong. I mean, you could take a really weak dude and slam him on a tons of gear, and unfortunately, he's going to get strong. So I, I think that's a, a real thing. I mean, not for me. And I'm sure a lot of those people would say, yeah, going to the RPS or the XPC, you're doing the Arnold's not for them. You know, it's, it's just the, the way the dice falls sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So then describe to me what your ideal training uh, training environment would be. Oh, I I, I will say this till the day I die. I, I've never trained as hard and I will never train as hard again as I did when I'm at Westside, unless I go back there. When it was like uh, morning crew, 
it's me, Burley, Harp, and then like we're the two raw guys. But then a, a big misconception is gear guys don't train in their gear, you know, 365 days a year. Those guys train raw mm-hmm. a, a good amount of the time. There's like Josh Connolly, there's do Will, there's some bad walk in and Chuck's there, Louie's there, Burley's walking in, everybody's there, everybody like there's no messing around. There's no I mean if you went to breakfast, you're there at six, you're at the gym at seven. By seven or five, somebody's already moving the bar. You know what I mean? So it's like, then it's it's just literally win the day. The, you know, win the day is like, it's just win. So if it's max effort upper and whatever bench variation we're going with, like your mindset is to win, to mess everybody up around you. So it's 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 just being pushed to that level. Every, and then there'd be times that Louis would just take money out of his pocket put it on the ground, but like whoever has the biggest lift today wins. So, I mean, money motivates everybody, but then it's just that whole, it's like me and Burley had some pretty good bench battles. It's like, we would go back and forth, back and forth, but no, at one time, would he not give me a hand or if I wouldn't give him a hand or everybody is supporting each other, but motherfucking each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's just that intensity is something I never think could be replicated outside of those walls. So like when we do dynamic effort, lower day, like box squats with bands and shit, all the shit I've ever made fun of my whole entire life. And then I got there and that's all I was doing. It's like, uh, what people don't realize is the pace is so fucking brutal that the first two, I, 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 I would put a year's worth of salary on top of it to say that nobody, their first week or two didn't either lay on the floor or throw up or cramp up or die. like, it's, it's brutal. It's painful. Like literally I would squat, you would squat. It'd be like six guys going through nine sets of three in probably 22, 23 minutes. And you're talking 500 pounds of bar weight and two, three, four, 500 pounds of band tension going that pace. It's, it's ridiculous. But after you get through that initial stage of those first couple of weeks and you start getting into it, it's, it's like uh, you see a guy huffing and puffing. You're going faster because you're trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get him down. So, that whole attitude, that whole killer be killed, that whole win the day shit, like that, that's that's the greatest training environment I've ever been in. It's just having dudes who are like minded, who want to win, who want to get stronger by all means. Like it's, it's cliche as it sounds, by any means necessary. Just that's it's not a fancy gym because I've been in those and I've been in the dirtiest gyms and the fanciest gyms, and it's about the people you're with and and the, the attitude. If you have like-minded people who want to just, I think a uh, phone may come out every once in a while, West Side to record like a PR, but nobody's texting, nobody's talking, nobody's doing shit. Everybody's just bam, 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 bam. So that that whole atmosphere, that that would be, if I could replicate that somewhere else without being there, if I could replicate that here, like that's what I would do. It would be the necessity equipment was, and it would be the people and the atmosphere to push. And obviously having somebody around who's, way smarter than I would be like Louie was a great thing so I'd have somebody smarter than me I'd have the basic necessity to train and I'd have some dudes that were just and I, I hate saying it like just just gorillas mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was just a bunch of bad I mean there wasn't a, a, a day that somebody wasn't benching close to 600 pounds somebody didn't have at least a thousand pound squats and fucking Burley would pull 865 from like a four inch deficit bell list you know just and what was cool about that is like deadlift is my weak lift so just literally every day, like, I just wanted to catch him, beat him, catch him, beat him. So having that hurdle to jump every time, like, that's great for somebody like me who's competitive because all I'm going to want to do is get better. And my whole career's kind of been like that. I trained with Derek Kendall and Eric. That sucked. I was always the weakest. 
like pretty much the biggest parts of my training where I got the strongest is where I was behind somebody like that. So that's that's my ideal. That's what it would be for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I figured you would say that. And I said it before on the show that the West Side and nowadays gets a bad rap from things. But I'm like, if you guys really look the way they train, you got to take a step back and respect it. And that is seriously the ideal training environment. And that's yeah. why that's why I tried to push myself into a more powerlifting gym. Now, the powerlifting gym that I belong to is not a West Side type gym, but it's 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 a little bit of a step up where I'm I'm no longer, you know, head and shoulders the strongest guy in the gym. There's other people yeah. there who could definitely challenge me and there's people there who I could learn a lot from too. There's people there who are definitely smarter than me. And that's uh, that's not that's not an issue. But um yeah. the the equipment of course is a big part but it's and something that i really want more of is to get more people in the gym and push each other and be competitive within yeah. the same gym like i love that because i spoke about the beginning of the show competitive spirit we're competitive power lifters yeah. and it would be great to have that sense of competition five days out of the week yeah. You know, it'll be, it'll be great for that. And that's one of my favorite things to do also is, you know, go to different gyms and train with other high level lifters. And that's where you see more of a serious and a more serious environment. And the conversations that are had are about training and what to do differently and what they did in the past that worked and what they did that didn't work. And that is, that's, that is my ideal training environment is when I have those, you know, you know, big, big time competitive lifters come into the gym and we just, you know, bounce ideas off each other and just try to lift the same weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's like Louie always says, don't be a big fish in a small pond. And I was whooping everybody's ass on max effort, upper day bench. Mm-hmm. I just kill everybody. I mean, it's like, I, I used to tell them I'll never be on the board, but put a fucking plaque up there because I'm undefeated. <laughs> but it's like, he would just tell me, oh, you're a big fish in a small pond. I'd be like, it's your pond, motherfucker. But, you know, it was always the point of like the dudes behind me. We're getting stronger, faster than I was because they were chasing me, you know. Mm-hmm. So that, that's always a, a great point. Like I said, I used to watch Derek Kendall and Eric Scott 900 for reps. I just be like, what? I literally, <laughs> I should never fucking say this publicly, but it's true. So I'm going to say it. I would go home and I would tell my wife at the time, I'd be like, I'll never fucking be able to do that. It's like, I was so frustrated. I'd be like, I'd be like, fuck this. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm never going to squat a thousand pounds. I'm never going to bench six. I'm like, I would get so fucking pissed off. And then, you know, the next day I would go, I would go. And lo and behold, I knocked Derek off. You know, he's, I think he's two below me on the uh, all-time squat thing. And I've benched 600. I've pulled it. All those numbers that, like, you should just frustrate the fuck out of me. But it was just that, that's that competitive nature. Like, I'm like a little fucking baby. I threw a fit. I'd get so pissed off. Like, what the fuck? You know, it's, I, fuck, I, I did a meet one time in sleeves. And I squatted, like, 845 or 55, whatever. We leave him. My son at the time, he was probably like 12 or 13. He's like, Dad, Eric Kendall's huge. I was like, I know. He's like, no, he's, he's like a monster. I was like, I know. He's like, Dad. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I used to hate that shit. You know, it's like, and then, you know, you're you're spotting Eric. Me and Eric get in. This is a great Lily Bridge story. So me and Eric, I, I'd always talk shit during bench. It's the only thing I can do better than him. So like, I'd be like, yeah, but you can't out bench me, blah, blah, blah. We go back and forth. And I believe you can ask Sergio. I believe he has this on film somewhere. He just could never put it out. A lot of things he said that couldn't go public. But, you know, it's like uh, we go back and forth. And he's like, Saturday, whatever you squat, I'll double. I was like, all right, cool. So I squatted a grand, and uh, Eric tried to double it for the first time. He got, like, stapled on the second rep. But it, 
it just falls into like what we were saying. Like when you have guys, four or five guys, and like you said, five days a week, when you're pushing it like that, there, there's no way you can't get, you can do the wrong shit. And if you're that intense, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get stronger. And it's, I just feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a team sport at the end of the day, it's you under a bar, but it, it really takes the team to, uh, get you ready. And if you're around the right guys who push you and you push them, like there's nothing better than that training. There's no program. There's no drug. There's no nothing that can replace that, that edge it gives you of every day, just competing. I mean, that's, that's the best tool, the best supplement I think the sport has is oh, yeah. a good team like that. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and it, it happens for most lifters. You get in the better gym, your game gets elevated. It just happens. Absolutely. And you go that with uh, other sports. Um, if I could bring in, yeah, just a whole another sport. Um, uh, actually, not the new school basketball players. The old school basketball players would say their off seasons when they play in those <coughs> summer leagues and they play those pickup games. Like yeah. that's what pushed them to be better. They said. Uh, I think Charles Barkley is a big guy on like how the new NBA is too friendly. Everyone's friends with each other, and in yeah. the old NBA, you know, they would go out and have drinks. But once they had the <laughs> once they had to play each other, and once they had to go yeah. in the, those pickup games, like no one was yeah. friends. Everyone was ultra competitive yeah. with each other, and that was he said one of the most beneficial things was either going to Chicago, training with you know a few of the Bulls players, a few of his players, and just and. And that's another thing that people have said about, you know, like Chicago basketball. It's like if you grew up playing Chicago yeah. basketball in those pickup games and in those courts, like they go hard yeah. 100% of the time where other cities yeah. don't. And that's if you could take that into powerlifting and other sports, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, absolutely. Want to find an environment to push. Yeah, for sure. And also, I had to bring this point up because now you mentioned Westside. And this is, I think, yeah, I think you would be the first one on the show who'd like to train at Westside. Aside from Barzine Fazir, he's trained there a few times. But, yeah. like, uh, I think now the reason why it gets a bad rap is because the people who defend Westside, when you kind of make, you know, poke fun of it. <laughs> and I've, and I've, I've poked fun of, you know, Westside before. But I'm actually poking fun of the the people who buy the, the T-shirt on Amazon yeah. and, then, yeah. and then train in the gyms. And then like, I make a West side meme, you know, as a complete joke, but I'm mostly making fun right. of those people. They come in my DMS and, you know, yell at me and yeah. go in the comments. I like, I think that's why it gets a bad rap because that. because uh, if you, if you talk to guys who train at the gym, it's, you would, you would have to, you know, bow down and be like, all right, you know, this is, this is a training environment that, highly competitive powerlifters excel in. But yeah. I think the bad rap is the people who really, really, really would like to be that, but are totally yeah. not that. And that's, it's, it, it, it all boils down to, uh, like I said, people are hashtagging Westside. I train Westside. No, the fuck you don't. You train conjugate. That's great. You may train a Westside influenced conjugate style. Unless you've been in those fucking walls or ate breakfast with fucking Louie and got yelled at and got fucking in the argument or get told you're fucking stupid or, you know, take Chuck's ribs up so he could deadlift. Like you don't really train Westside. Like it's, it's a, it's a different animal there. And I was there of all like 30 fucking seconds in my lifetime. And I learned so much about that. It, and you're so right. You see these clowns putting bands and chains and they got a two board and a fucking three board strap. It's just, those are the people that give it such a bad name. And I can tell you right now, Louis could give a fuck less. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't pay attention to the internet. He don't care. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he always said, you got to separate church and state. He gives a fuck about the gym and the lifters in there. He doesn't give a mm-hmm. fuck what anybody says. 
he turns out some of the strongest human beings in the world. He could give a fuck less with anybody's opinion of him. But he, you're so right. It's 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 the people, like you said, they order a West Side T-shirt and they fucking they fucking throw bands and chains on wrong most of the time, and they talk about West Side and this that and the other and. From the outside looking in, people who see that they're like, "Well, West Side must be retarded because this is retarded." Yeah, and I got no problem saying ninety percent of the people putting bands and chains on this shit <laughs> just aren't doing it right, and they're just doing it to do it because they see somebody else do it. They don't know why they're doing it. Like they couldn't tell you about accommodating resistance. They couldn't tell you percentages that you should do bandwidth. So it's just it's it's trash. You 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 nailed it with that one. Yeah, I and I when I made those like you know memes and shit, it was mostly making fun of those guys who do the. I mean, it's it's the Kantia method, and there's guys at Surge who do it, and we always get into debates about it. But of course, between me and my boys at Surge, it's always friendly. Yeah. But um, because yeah. I always tell them like, hey man, you never have to ask a guy if they do conjugate because they'll come up to you and tell they'll you tell that you they do conjugate. Like yeah. ten times out of ten, they'll just tell you like, oh, what's your training like? Well, I do conjugate. Like, dude, like, you you ask me, you ask me what I do my my training like or how I structure my training, yeah. just so you can tell me you do conjugate. Yeah. There's another meme coming. Just because you do conjugate doesn't mean you have a personality either. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird, man. And like uh you know, even training there under Louis, he would have us doing different things that just aren't in the books that aren't in you know, it's like that's why I hate when people are like, Oh yeah, I train West Side. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. Yeah. It's just cause you fucking strap some rubber bands to your bench doesn't mean and a lot of people don't even really understand. Fuck, I trained there and I'm close friends with Burley Hawk, who's probably one of the smartest people, uh, not just training wise, but freaking life wise that I've ever met in my entire life. And it's kind of hard to tell because he's kind of crying, kind of recluse. But it's like, uh, I still have a hard time understanding certain aspects of conjugate. So it's like, people think they fucking strap some stuff to a bar. Oh, I'm doing conjugate. Do, you know, they're like, oh, Circa Max, this, that, and the other. But go to the West Side Instagram and read some of the questions people are asking. Like, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? It's like, they, they don't have a fucking clue. Mm-hmm. They just want to, it, it falls right back in. That's that's the trailer park version of fucking pizza socks. Like <laughs> those people who fucking put bands on, like that's their pizza socks. Like they're too cool for pizza socks, but they're dorky enough that they fucking want to put bands on there so they can tell people, yeah, man, did you see that documentary? I trained West. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you wouldn't last a fucking minute there. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you on that one. And, um, that's, yeah, that one said doc, Enjoyed the documentary, but I knew it was going to cause another, you know, oh, yeah. like uh, revival in the wannabes, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> and that's that's why I'm upset on the internet the most is the uh, the wannabes. I don't think I've ever, yeah. like, I don't think I've ever got a guy who seriously trains at Westside in my DMs telling me they're gonna fucking kill me. Yeah, you think <laughs> Dave Hoff gives a fuck about you making fun of him? the dude benches a thousand pounds? He yeah. give a fuck less about somebody making fun of Kanye. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Better things to do, like uh, get stronger than the rest of the fucking world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, uh, we do this on Two White Lights a lot. We give technique tips. If you guys haven't already, go to JP Carroll's page, and I think a lot of stuff that gets lost is you're a technically proficient lifter. Um, very yeah. good lifts uh, across the board, and again, I think that not a lot of people like really go through and see some of your videos, so... What's one technique, tip, or cue that has helped you on any of the three lifts the most? I tell myself, don't be a pussy every day. <laughs> that's, that's well, that works too. No, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an, it's an, I got probably two. And, and the main one for me is on bench. I'm very 
trap like orientated like my upper back takes over my body so i literally to this day and i've been saying this for i don't know however many years i've been benching as i literally have to tell myself to put my lats in my back pocket you know what i mean yes pull my lats down because i will sit all up and i'll try to take the whole brunt of it all in my shoulder so for me the biggest thing i tell myself i literally say it in my head as i'm setting up on my bench is put my lats in my back pocket like that's a big one and then on on squat it it's an ever-changing checklist. You know how that goes. Like oh, yeah. something may be moving differently, but the biggest one for me is to make sure that I pack my neck. Which a lot of people that are gonna listen to this, there are a lot of neutral head people in the USAPL, so it's like that's cool. But for me, the biggest thing is I, I have to pack my head. If, if I don't get my head back into that bar like that, I'm high bar. I'll never squat low bar. Mm-hmm. It's it just never in the books for me. So packing my head and just really driving my chest to the ceiling. Like that's, that's what I have to really think about coming out of the hole. Is I'm very upright. I'm very high and I have to I'm quad dominant, a very narrow stance. So mm-hmm. if my chest goes, I'm screwed. So I really have to pack that head and push my chest to the ceiling. Like those are the two that I have to deal with daily and on deadlift. It's just uh fuck the bar because I can get probably a thousand pounds to my knee but once it gets there I have a typical white guy butt so I can't lock shit out mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I, I think the main one that has really stuck with me over the years is putting my lats in my back pocket that's that's a huge cue for me because that's I mean people don't realize how much lats go into benching it's, it's a big big part of it yeah that was a that was a big tech I think that might be the same for me um for deadlifts I always tell people on sumo deadlifts yeah. try to keep your uh, uh your I say delts in my back pocket but it could be kind of changed same into yeah. yeah it changed into lats but when I got coaching for the first time um sometime this year that was the big one for bench that my coach told me to do was like yeah. Keep, try to keep those lats in your back pocket. And that, that even though my bench is shit, it's helped a lot just, you know, stabilizing it. And, um, and I think I, and I, and I said it on the show before, you, whenever I give a cue, it always somewhere relates to the back. Yeah. I, I, I tell people like when I, in a coaching standpoint, when I start coaching people or training people or have training partners help them, you can never do too much back, man. Powerlifting is back. Yep, and it's it's the most. It, who the hell wants to do bent over rows and heavy rows and all that? Like that's the shit that sucks. So a lot of people don't do that. And like back is powerlifting. When I was training at Elite FTS, if I had an off day or I just had like a fix shit that sucks type day, I would just go in and I would do hundreds of reps of back, just annihilate the back. I mean, like like the saying goes, you never seen a weak dude with a big back. You know, like it's true. A lot of, a lot of back stuff is big time to do with what we do oh yeah for sure and uh, yeah i always it always just seems to come back to that on any of the three lifts so those are of course really good advice uh, i think the <clears throat> listeners definitely appreciate it and to wrap up this interview we're gonna play a two white lights favorite word association <laughs> i'm gonna give you a word and these are always improvised i come up with them as we're talking throughout the show and you give me one word and then we riff on that so very right. first one Gonna start easy and we're gonna get progressively harder. Squat. Depth. Bench. Uh, heavy. <laughs> Deadlift. Not sumo. Alright. Sumo is easier. What's what's the deal there? Cheating. Cheating? Of course. We're all, we're all trying to cheat in this sport. I hate sumo because I can't do it. <laughs> That's if you ain't cheating, you ain't cheating. 
I've, I've always said it. Like, I make fun of sumo, and I've admitted it a million times because I can't do it. <laughs> I do a lot of my accessory work is sumo-style work. That shit sucks, and it hurts. I'm, like I said, I squat very narrow, so my hips just aren't set up. <laughs> the way my hips are set up, not for sumo. All right, that's a good one. Wilk score. Bullshit. Is that one or two words? <laughs> I'm gonna count as I'm gonna count it as a phrase. <laughs> All right. So Wilk scores two words, so you get bull and shit on that one too. There we go. That works. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I'm obviously helped by Wilk, Wilk score quite a bit, but not as much as people think. Like, oh, 180 pound lifters don't really get that, but as much as people <laughs> think. But I need there to be a separate best overall lifting trophy just out of the purity of competition given to the highest total best overall lifter based on Wilkes best overall lifter based on total. You know what? That's all you got to do to probably end so many arguments between total lifters and Wilkes lifter. Cause all you got to do is manufacture one more trophy and put a different title on it. I mean, shit, you give out 40 million trophies at APF meet anyways, might as well just make another one for best overall total and best overall Wilkes. Like I have a good Wilkes. Like I just think it's bullshit. Like, I don't know. Oh like yeah, I well, I've I have to argue with so many like heavyweight lifters about this. Whereas like, if you have a, like if you're a great power lifter, your Wilkes is going to be over 500, which is you know be yeah. that high level elite train uh, yeah. competitor is over 500 Wilkes. But yeah. you know Ray Williams will never win best overall lifter USAPL because he's you know yeah. that heavyweight, that super heavyweight. But when I yeah. have, like, you know, 240-pound guys tell me uh, that their total is better than mine, but their Wilkes is a 440, it's like, no, no, man, yeah. listen. Yeah. Like, I get that you're stronger than me. You should be stronger than me, but I'm a better power lifter than you. Like, yeah. you're – but if it's close, like, if he has a 513 Wilkes and I got a 520 Wilkes, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. You're the better power lifter in my mind because you got the Wilkes yeah. and you lift numbers that – Jesus Christ. Like, like that's ridiculous uh, on all three. Yeah. That's what me and Joe Sullivan used to say the same thing. Like, I'd out-total him, but I got, like, a 562. He's got, like, a 584. So, it's like, technically, you're a better power lifter. I'm stronger than you. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's a good way. To, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, if you just want to make it plain and simple, you're better proficiently. But as I always say to, like, my friends when we're bullshitting, it's like, ants can lift, what, 16, 20 times their body weight? I could stop a cow in the ants <laughs> on, like, 30 seconds. You want to tell me they're stronger than me? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, they, they really have to specify that. Just or, or just make, yeah. make another trophy. Who cares? Like, yeah, I think that's great. You I mean, USA. I mean, even we, best overall. We could do it at USAPL yes. meets too. I mean, we yeah. they, like we're not. The money isn't going to the trophies. I tell you that right now. The money's not going to best <laughs> overall lifters. The money, you know, yeah. all you got to do is give out your three medals per weight class, and they don't have any of that bogus like different divisions yeah. you saw raw lifting like give one to ray williams with the biggest total because he deserves it yeah and give one to taylor atwood because he's the best lifter there so yeah yeah you mean to tell me taylor atwood is stronger than ray williams i mean jesus fucking christ come on now yeah like taylor atwood unspeakable numbers at his weight class yeah like he's crazy he's you know he's he's what 165 pounds or something like that i mean that's ridiculous 165 uh, he's in my in my opinion still the best pound for pound lifter in the USAPL and IPF. There's a lot of, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's sure. some people gunning for his neck right now, which is actually cool because at a, at a point there wasn't, but uh, that means, yeah. you know, there are more stronger lifters out there, but pound for pound yeah, best lifter. But yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would actually put Dennis Cornelius right now as like the strongest dude in the USAPL. Cause that guy's a 
stud. And Blaine Sumter, too. He's so. a tank. Yeah. Freaking tank. Yeah, Blaine Sumter. I mean, he's just a whole other entity in his own. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys out there. Um, and I knew Wilkes yeah. were, we could get a good riff on that. Uh, <laughs> Oreos. In Kool-Aid. <laughs> Jesus one Christ. Word. I knew that was <laughs> happening. So, t- tell me. Is that a thing, or is that, like, something you did? Just you? I, I've done that my whole life, and then, I don't know, I guess everybody else picked up on it, but, yeah, that's a legit thing for me, man. Yeah, because... Oreos are going in Kool-Aid. Anytime I have them, that's happening. Yeah, I... When I saw the videos, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? Like, this is his own, like, eating <laughs> habit. Like, what's... But then I saw, like, you know, the filling. Everybody they had those. Else. They had those Oreo, like, f- like variety packs and stuff. And they had yeah. like the it was one filled with Kool Aid, the, the oh, like shit, the, or Hawaiian that. Punch. I think it was Hawaiian Punch. Oh, that'd be great too. That would be a, a, a real money Oreo. Right there. I think I, I I'm telling you, if you go on a website, you could probably order those and find those. Because there was a thing I saw them at Gulasco. Like I was yeah. just shopping. Like what the hell? And then I'm like, wait, did <laughs> J- I'm like, did JP start this? <laughs> like, yeah, did I he need, start an eating place? I, I need my royalty check. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because I, I, I saw that a few times, and I was like, all right, well, that's different. Um, Instagram. Boring. Boring. I could I could get on top of that. Uh, USAPL. <laughs> uh, dorks. That is appropriate. I, I was close to making a meme about you, uh, just like <laughs> anyone breathes by any, like, uh, verbal memes are terrible, so I'm probably doing everyone a disservice by explaining a meme on a podcast. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, cause I, but I didn't know, I didn't like know you. I'm like, and I still have that. If I'm like, he probably thinks I'm a dork too, so I'm probably not going to poke the bear. But nah, it, was, it, it was, it was, you know, any USAP, any USAPL lifter breeds, and it was the next one's going to be JP Carroll. <laughs> JP Carroll calling him a fucking dork. Yeah. Look, look at this fucking dork, but. Yeah, I get that's that. Me. Um, multiply. Uh, dying. Yeah, I would agree. How about single ply? Yeah, I mean, resurgence. Yeah, man. I people I, multiply for me is like I I it's such a different world for me. But I love watching single ply lifting. I like multiply. I do. I think like, I'm a fan. But. If you're not squatting like 1,200 pounds, benching like eight, nine, a thousand, like it's it's just terrible. Like if you're gonna do it, do it all the way. Like I want to see you do it with a thousand pounds over space. Like that's sick because I know that feeling has got to be unreal. But if you're squatting like 600 pounds and you're a 240 pound dude and multiply, like just fucking kill yourself. Find the biggest building in your neighborhood and just climb it and jump off of it. Swan dive off. You know what? I would tell you not to say that, but I don't think there's any 240 pound multiply lifters listening to two white lights, yeah. anyways. So we're, we're no, I think we're in the clear. <laughs> I think yeah. we're, I think we're in the clear on that one, and I think most of actually the the the, the natty elitists yes. who listen might agree with you. Watching what Blaine does in single ply just blows my mind. Like, I, in all honesty, like as beat up as I am and about to turn 40 years old, like single ply sounds attractive, and like I know Mister, you know, shit on gear his whole life or whatever, but. You can do some fun shit in single ply. It just looks really cool. There's there's some people out there doing really gnarly things in single ply. Yeah, I well, and then even looking at just like the carryover to raw lifting because some of the yeah. the the I think the person who's going to be the next Taylor Atwood is Austin Perkins in the USAPL. He got his start in single ply as a young kid, like twenty twenty one years old. Mm. 
when I look yeah. at him lift, I'm like, the reason why this guy can handle weight and be so technically proficient is because he knows how he's to lift single play, yeah. and he's young Good too point. while doing it. Um, and uh, Bonica Brown too, an USAPL female lifter, the best, yeah. one of the best squats I've ever seen in my life, just in person. Um, and she's been queen of raw lifting and queen of single ply lifting in that federation for yeah. multiple years. So I, I do, and I, and I agree with you too. Multiply, I the squats I could oh I could never really find the inner I can I can't just find the entertaining aspect, but. The bench yeah. press, I, I've told people, I'm like, I do like watching the bench presses. That's like the 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 heresy of the you know like USAPL Natty guy is like I do watching yeah. I do like watching a nine hundred pound bench press. Yeah. I don't care yeah, if I it's mean, all the equipment in the world, it's cool to see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you like you say, Barzine, Matt Manu, it's like we have a, a pretty good handful of guys around here that do that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I just watching those guys bench always has just been cool. Like, I love it. I don't, as much as I bash on gear clears all the time, like, I think benching like 800, 900, just imagine that. Like, I've had 600 pounds over my face. I was like, man, this goes bad. I'm in a bad spot. 900, 1,000 pounds over your face, like, that's balls. That's like, it's all balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, the, yeah. Not surprisingly, like the the multiply stuff was as far as just an outsider looking in when they got WPO got broadcast on ESPN. We saw so much of the squats where I'm like, oh, you know what, I I get it, yeah, I, I understand it, but I'm like, you guys have to appreciate the bench, right? Like even if you're IPF USAPL dude raw, like you gotta appreciate that stuff. So, also last one, I need to hear your opinion on this: the Chicago Cubs. I'm a Sox fan, so yeah. <laughs> say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I haven't watched baseball in a million years. I just, uh, I guess the only thing I've ever got to say Cubs is they got way better looking fans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I was. That was another reason why I'm like, oh, this guy probably doesn't like me. He's seemingly a Sox fan. He probably thinks all Cubs yeah, fans are fucking dorks. So. <laughs> But I'd rather sit at Wrigley and drink beer than fucking at Comiskey and drink beer. That's for sure. All right. That makes me happy at least. Um, uh, <laughs> J- JP, man, thanks for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah. I had a good time. Absolutely. Um, me too. Uh, JP Kerr, you guys want to follow him on Instagram, check out his page. Again, you will see some really good lifts on there. Uh, at JP underscore Carol underscore FYFM. What does that mean, FYFM? Fuck you, fight me. <laughs> Oh, is that is that a is that a Mickey Ward thing? No, it's I mean it, it's kind of the same thing. He never said it, but oh okay, it, it just started. On the, somebody was talking shit on the internet one day. I was just like, "Fuck you, fight me!" Like I hate talking. Like okay. let's just get to it. Yeah, I get, I actually got an autographed glove from Mickey Ward. It's in behind my bar. Love Mickey Ward. Yeah, it was a pretty sweet right. gift I got. Um, I actually got a lot of like box. <laughs> I got a lot of boxes. Like an Arturo Gatti I got a, I got a, so I'm looking right now at a Vinny Pancienza, uh, yeah. Trunks and Jake LaMotta pitcher. There we go. Uh, yeah, right. I got, I, dude, I got a lot of random boxing because I, I grew up like liking boxing, but I'm from the suburbs, yeah. so there's no reason to fight people. <laughs> yeah, there's no boxing gyms, there's no fighting. There's, there's no reason, but I always liked it. And one of my uh, family members was into boxing and he always used to give me this memorabilia, but I got, yeah, yeah Mickey Ward uh, signed glove, which is awesome, because I never expected yeah, that. That's sick. Vinny Pazienza, Trunks, um, Jake LaMotta, Pitcher. And in my room, I got Tommy Hearns robe and Trunks. And uh, 
and uh, Joe Frazier, like uh, Robe and Trunks too. I, I, and I like when I was a kid, I like loved them, but now I'm like, holy shit, these are crazy things that I have. Yeah, especially the Tommy Hearns one. The Tommy Hearns one is one of my favorite fighters growing up, and I when I got it, I'm like, holy shit, Tommy Hearns Trunks. All right, man. See you later, and to all of our listeners, it's going to be the end of the show. We'll see you next week. Peace.